Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, being Italian-American and having meatballs. Balls? What? <laughs> How's a meatball? It's actually not bad, but I like Olive Garden. You know, their breadsticks are pretty good. This is so beautiful. Like, Do you really like it? First of all, I wouldn't front like that. This is front? Chicago, front. Miami. We sometimes use a little bit of slang, so. Yo, I'm Joe from Chicago. I love a meatball. My girl Catherine, I'm fronting. I love a meatball from Chicago. I'm from Miami and Chicago. My name's Joe. <laughs> Joe from this week's Southern Charm reminds me of Gina from Real Housewives of Orange County if she lived a harder life. I mean, this Joe was so excited to meet him on Southern Charm, Catherine's new boyfriend. Wow. We'll get to it. How's it, meatball? Hello. Welcome to Everything Iconic. I'm Danny Pellegrino. It's Southern Charm recap time. Very excited about this week's Southern Charm. Now, normally we have the Real Housewives of New York recaps on the same episodes as the Southern Charm recaps. However, Roni has moved to Thursday night, so we will be splitting up the recaps. So that will be out after the episode of Roni airs. Uh, however, we're just going to focus on Southern Charm tonight. And wow, what an episode. Wow. Craig's dog, Bethany. Wow, what an episode. I do also want to encourage everyone to listen to my interview with Casey Wilson, who, of course, is on Bitch Sesh and Happy Endings and Black Monday on Showtime. I did an interview with her on Monday's episode, and we talked all about Bravo. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. And thank you to everyone who's been sending me kind words. I would love to have Casey on every week if it was possible, because she was so much fun to chat with. So listen to that. Now let's get into this week's Southern Charm, shall we? <laughs> shall we? He's got promise. Yeah, he's got the shine. Did you guys notice the previously on? We got we got the scatting, as I like to call it. We got the scatting during the previously on, and it was very fun. It was the boys decide to take an RV trip, and then it was he's got promise. Yeah, he's got the shine. And then we got, <laughs> and then we got Cam, you know, talking about motherhood and wanting to go back to work. She says, I, you know, I want to go back to work. And then we got the scatting saying, times are changing, don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> Craig had a pillow party. He's got us spinning around his little finger. <laughs> it was so good, you guys, the Bapadoo at the beginning. Again, we didn't get the full theme song, but we got this scatting on the previously on, and it was delightful. I won't harp on it too much, because I feel like that's all I talk about. And I'm obsessing over it, and I need to get over it. However, I do want the full theme song. I will just say that. Now, as always, we open the main episode with a montage of where everyone is, right? So we get little clips. We see Danny at an art exhibit. We see Chelsea talking to her dog about termites. You know I love Chelsea's dog. So adorable. And we get Craig waking up to the mess that is the post-pillow party. At least we think it's post-pillow party. We don't actually know that for sure, but we're assuming it's the day after that pillow party. And here's the thing. Craig's house is a mess. I would have never been able to go to sleep at the house like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he went to bed with the, like, food out, with cups out. I would have never been able to go to sleep, and that's on me. That's something that I need to get over, but I can't even go to bed when there's dishes in the sink. Like, it stresses me out to know that there are dirty dishes in the sink. I need them either in the dishwasher or fully clean and put away, but I cannot go to sleep. I cannot sit soundly in bed 
if there's a dirty dish in the sink. And so seeing Craig wake up to all of that mess was very tough for me to look at. Like I felt some anxiety. Again, I need to get over that myself. My Craigie, you know, normally he can do no wrong. However, I was upset that he went to bed with such a mess of a place. Oh, it's stressful. And then we open on, so we do this little montage with all the characters, and then we settle on Patricia. Patricia's with her butler, Michael, and they're driving to McDonald's. Now they go to the drive-thru, and the drive-thru consultant, we'll call him. <laughs> His name, he's not a consultant, but, you know, that's what they should be called, the drive-thru consultant. The drive-thru consultant asks Michael, you know, what do you want to order? And Michael says, I'll have a cheeseburger with no tomato. And he says, well, you know what? There's no tomato on the burger. And then Michael, the first time I've ever turned on Michael, he, he gave too much lip to the drive through consultant. And he said, ketchup is tomato. And I thought, you know what, Michael, this is a step too far. That's a drive through consultant you're talking to. He doesn't have the nicest job in the world. He's got to deal with all people coming through the drive through Okay, don't give him any lip. Those people have to deal with enough. And I say that as someone who has snapped on a drive through consultant before in my time. Never forget, I once told a drive through consultant to fuck off when the McFlurry machine was down and I was on the brim of freaking out. I was having a day, I was trying to get a McFlurry, and the machine was down, and I just said, fuck you. However, I didn't say it like to her, I just said it aloud, and then the girl actually, she high-fived me, and she understood. So, I felt like it was a little bit different situation. However, I just would have liked Michael to have spoken to the drive through consultant a little bit nicer than he did. I didn't think he needed to give the lip about the ketchup. What is this? Isn't that Alton Brown on the Food Channel? We don't need a lesson on ketchup. Okay, Michael, just order your cheeseburger and go. I did love, though, seeing this whole scene of Patricia at the drive-thru. And then what was even better is, like, then the car pulled over. And Patricia had, like, some sort of tray come out. And then Michael poured her a glass of wine and, like, put, like, a nice cloth napkin down. And I thought, I would go to McDonald's every day if this was the kind of service I got. I mean... Could you even imagine? She had like some Muppet fur on her arms. She was dressed to the nines, eating a McDonald's cheeseburger, and I thought, that's the life I want to live. Patricia also revealed that she loves a Costco hot dog. Who among us doesn't? She loves Taco Bell. Again, who among us doesn't? Patricia has some good taste. I'll be honest. And I felt bad for her because Patricia and Whitney are having some tough times because Patricia revealed that Whitney's staying at the house and Whitney's only eating healthy. Like, Whitney apparently is doing the gluten-free and the carb-free or whatever, all the free. And Patricia's not having it. She's got to sneak off to McDonald's, which is what I do with my boyfriend. I sneak off to the drive-thru, don't tell him. you know. Or we go to the movies, and I sneak off to the concession stand, and I house a hot dog in the lobby while he's in the theater. I tell him I'm going to the bathroom, and then I shove a hot dog in my mouth, and then I return and just told him there was a line for the bathroom. That's what I do. But sometimes we all need to sneak some food. Is it maybe a little bit of an eating disorder to sneak some food and not tell anyone? Maybe. But it's something we all have to do sometimes. I think it's important. But anyway, I feel bad that Patricia and Whitney are on the outs. And I relate to it because I'm on the outs a little bit with my parents. And I want to take a quick detour here. Because a few weeks ago on the show, you know, I've told some stories about some family vacations in the past. One of those particular stories I told is about a trip to Florida where My brothers and I were at Universal Studios, and we were doing a Nickelodeon game show pilot thing, and I said my brother's name, and then I confused my brother, and it was a a whole mishap. It was an adventure. Anyway, some people were asking for that footage, because I knew we had it on tape on like one of our home videos. So I call my parents, and I'm like, look, 
do you guys have any of the home videos? Like, I know we transferred them to DVD. Like, can you send them to me? Like, I'm just kind of curious. I want, I'd love to watch them. And then also people were saying, like, show us that footage. So I thought, we're going to find it. I'm talking to my parents about our vacations. And I'm, I'm telling them, I'm like, oh, yeah, remember we used to go to Florida? We would go a few times. You know, we, we went when we were really little. We went to Disney World. And then, you know, as we got a little bit older, we went to Disney World and Universal Studios. And, and occasionally we go to Myrtle Beach. But we either went to Florida or Myrtle Beach. Anyway, we're talking about this, and I'm having this flashback memory of getting lost at Disney World. So when I was about four or five, I got lost at Disney World. And I was lost for a good three or four hours. Like, it wasn't just, I'm not saying it was like a quick thing. This was like a three or four hour time thing that I was lost. I'll never forget. It's one of my like very earliest memories. I was getting lost at Disney World. And I remember going up to Pluto you know, like one of the people that was dressed as Pluto. And I remember saying, like, I'm lost. And those fuckers can't talk back to you when they're in the costumes. And I'll never forget, like, going up to Pluto as a very young child, lost at Disney World and saying, you know, I'm lost. And Pluto didn't respond to me. It was truly horrific. I mean, something that sticks with you. I've never been able to see Pluto without getting transplanted back in time to that tough moment. But Pluto, I guess they don't let you talk to the people in the park. So those college students that are dressed as the Disney characters, they're not allowed to talk back to you. So here I was lost, and Pluto's just like miming for me to go to the fucking police or whatever. I don't even know what the fuck Pluto was doing. But I haven't been able to watch Pluto since. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point is I was lost for a good three or four hours. I'll never forget, I finally went up to these two men who I believe to be gay. I think looking back on it now as I'm like remembering the memory, I think they were they were two grown men there without any kids, and they found me, and they helped me lead me back to my parents. And so now when I see, I don't know if any of you are familiar, but online, there's like a lot of like gay Disney heads, you know, LGBT that love to go to Disney. They don't have any kids, but they just love Disney, you know, adults who love Disney. Anyway, a lot of times, like the gays who love Disney get a lot of hate online, and I always think, well, the gays at Disney saved my life because I was lost for three to four hours. And these two older gay men led me back to my parents. They, I was astray and they led me back. But that's not the point. The point is, I always remember that. I was lost for a while. And my family, being the Italian Catholics that they are, they always just brushed it under the rug. They always tried to convince me that it was no big deal, like I wasn't really lost. And so I'm talking to my parents about this trip, and I was like, remember when I got lost? And they're like, you didn't. My mom's like, you didn't get lost, Dan. Dan, you didn't get lost. You were just, you know, it was like real quick. It was no big deal. You were just, you know, you, it was real, no big deal. And I'm like, Mom, I was lost for four hours. I was four or five years old. I was lost for four hours. And you guys didn't find me. And meanwhile, it was a family of five of us. I don't know how I got lost. I have two older brothers and two parents. I don't know how they lost me, but that's not the point. The point is, I was lost. And my parents were trying to brush it under the rug. So this whole phone conversation happens, and they convinced me that I never got lost at all. They convinced me that it never happened, not even a little bit, like nothing happened. They had totally tricked me and bamboozled me into thinking that nothing happened. So I'm going about the rest of my day thinking nothing happened at Disney World, and I made up this trauma in my head that never happened. Then I got the tapes. So my parents send me all the footage from our vacations. They send me a bunch of DVDs from Florida trips. And I'm going through the DVDs. One of the DVDs I found was from a trip to Florida that was four years later watching the footage, and it's us at Disney World, my brothers and I on Main Street, my dad's taking the footage, he's panning the footage over, we see my brothers and I on Main Street, then he pans it over and he says, I'm going to play it for you guys, I'm going to play the clip, he says this, and it proves that I was lost, and it also proves that they were being sketchy back then and trying to cover it all up back then. They have a whole thing going on, a whole cover-up. 
ago almost to the day. This is where Danny got misplaced. My father said that's where Danny was misplaced. Now let me tell you something. You misplace your sunglasses. You don't misplace your thirdborn. I was lost. And they're all trying to convince me that I wasn't lost, that I was misplaced. And I'm not having it. So I am in a feud with my parents. They don't know it quite yet, but I'm in a feud because they're trying to sweep this under the rug and I need my voice to be heard. (laughs) I want to talk everything out and I want everyone to know. I need to know that I'm being heard. I was lost. I was not misplaced. Four or five hours is not misplaced. You misplace your sunglasses. You misplace a remote control, but you don't misplace your third born. So anyway, I'm in a fight with my parents because they lost me at Disney World and I'll never forget that. I mean, fucking Pluto was miming at me where to go. I didn't know where to go in Disney World. Just wandering around and none of the characters could help me, those fucking assholes. Try to get Captain Hook's uh, attention and he'll just mime at you to look somewhere else. They just want to take a picture and give you an autograph. They don't want to help lead kids who are astray. And that's a problem with Disney World and that's something that's neither here nor there, but maybe that's an issue we need to take up with the Disney's. But for now, you guys will all see the truth. We'll all see the truth. Know that it did happen. I got the proof and it was all a cover up and they're still trying to cover it up. But I'm on to them like Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind. Four years ago, almost to the day, this is where Danny got misplaced. Anyway, now that I'm all worked up about Disney World, let's cut back to this episode of Southern Charm. Now, Cam, she arrives at Chep's house with some drive-thru tacos. She also went to the drive-thru and she had some tacos. Now, Cam's doing a lot of stuff on here where she's always eating. And she did that particularly a lot last season. And I never buy it because she's so thin. And maybe, I don't know, maybe she has great metabolism. But she's always got like junk food in her hands. And I just, I don't believe that she eats all that junk food. Unless she takes like a couple bites and that's it. I don't know. Maybe I'm obsessing over that for no reason. But that's what I think. Shep His uh, house has a display of hot sauces, which made me like Shep a little bit more. I like that he had a bunch of hot sauces because I love a hot sauce. Also on Shep's, in Shep's kitchen, I just want to just tell you guys some things I noticed in Shep's kitchen. First of all, on the fridge, a lot of magnets. He was doing a lot of magnet work on the fridge. I saw so many magnets. I was trying to count. I paused it, tried to count. I counted upwards of 20, but that wasn't a final count because at a certain point I lost count. I couldn't tell. They were all sort of running together in my head. But there was upwards of 20 magnets on that adult man's fridge. And I just need to point that out. He also had a sign that said, and I quote, in the kitchen, low gas eat. So it was a picture of, I think it was a gas station and it had a sign on it that said eat. And then the other side on there said low gas. And I would just say, I'm no decorator. I'm not an interior designer by trade. But I would say that maybe it's not appropriate to have a sign that says low gas. In the, refri- in the kitchen, you know, where you're about to have your meals. I would just say maybe don't have any sign that says there should be no gas signs. And you know, I love some word art. I love a home goods. I love a sign that says gather. I love those kitchens, or those signs that say live, laugh, love. I love, you know, it's wine o'clock or any of those kind of cheesy signs that we find at home goods. I love that. I do. Look in my house. I'll come, I'm going to take a tour. I got some word art throughout the house. You know, I love particularly around like the fall, something that says like pumpkin spice, everything. Like I put signs like that in the kitchen. (laughs) I'm very basic in that way. And I'm very proud of it. But I would never put up a sign that just said gas. Would you? You know, I would stay away from those words. There's certain buzzwords that are okay in a kitchen. You know, pumpkin spice, gather, wine, love, live, laugh, those kind of things. But a sign that says gas just belongs somewhere else. Maybe a garage, a basement the trash anywhere else a dumpster i'm not sure but maybe 
steer clear of the word gas in the kitchen. Again, not an interior designer. But so apparently, Shep wants to move. He wants to sell this house and buy a new house, but he doesn't know where exactly. He's getting some advice from Cam, but I don't know. These men don't seem to take the advice from the women on this show, which is frustrating. The male-female dynamics are are difficult to watch, I believe, sometimes on this show. And Shep does this thing where I've I've noticed it a lot, where he'll like quote an author. So in this scene, he quoted Mark Twain. And it makes you think that Shep is really smart. And I'm not saying Shep's not smart. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I feel that Shep sometimes bamboozles us into thinking he's smarter than he is because he'll quote Mark Twain or someone else, like a, another famous author or something. And I think it's bamboozlement. And I don't fall for it. I'm not saying Shep's not smart. But it seems to me like he tries to trick us into thinking he's smarter than he than he really is. And I feel like he uses this method on women to get them in bed. And so if you're a woman out there and Shep flirts with you at the bar and you hear him quote an author, any author, I don't care if it's T.S. Eliot or Mark Twain or E.L. James or Dan Brown, I don't care who it is, who the fuck that author is. If he quotes an author, run the other direction, because I feel like he's trying to get in your pants. And it probably works a lot of the times. It probably does. Anyway, then we cut to Catherine's house. Catherine's setting up this fine china because we're about to meet Joe. Now, she's setting up, and we see a flashback, first of all, of her and Thomas with her grandma. And they're in a dinner, they're seated at dinner, and they're singing church hymnals before the meal. It's a very bizarre flashback. and. A lot of church hymnal stuff happening, and, you know, it is what it is. That's their prayers, so good for them. Now, then we cut back to present day, and she orders takeout, and she is Mrs. Doubtfiring in the meal. So she gets all this takeout, and she's putting it on the fine china, just like Robin Williams did in Mrs. Doubtfire. However, uh, Robin Williams didn't use his hairy hands to scoop out the food into the fine china, which is what Catherine's doing. You know, I'm not saying Catherine has hairy hands. Don't get me wrong. Maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. I didn't notice. I'm just saying Robin Williams had very hairy hands, you know, and rest rest in peace. But Catherine is just scooping out the food from the takeout boxes and putting it in the fine china to bamboozle Joe, to bamboozle the new man. And then he arrives with flowers, and he's straight out of Tony and Tina's wedding. I don't know if you've seen this. (laughs) I say that as someone who played Tony in Tony and Tina's wedding in Chicago. So I, I'm, you know, and I'm an actor, and I played Tony. When I lived in Chicago, I played Tony and Dominic in Tony and Tina's wedding. Anyway, if you're not familiar, it's dinner theater, and there's very offensive Italian, you know, stereotypical accents in the show. And I felt that that's what Joe was doing. He walked in, he's like, oh, you got meatballs? I, I'm not even going to front. I love a meatball. I mean, he sounds straight out of Tony and Tina's. It's like a very aggressive, like, sort of Italian accent. It's like, it's not a full Italian accent. It's just like, <laughs> we're going to eat meatballs? Let's eat some meatballs. Put get, let me get the meatballs out of the microwave. I'm gonna get some, my girls making some meatballs. I bought her some flowers, and let's set up the flowers and get the meatballs out of the microwave. My gr- hey hey hey, <laughs> Joe. That's Joe. That was what Joe. Joe came in like a freight train, and just with a very stereotypical Italian accent. Hey, what? My girl's making some meatballs. Let's get my girl some meatballs. I'm not even gonna front. And then Catherine's like, "Would you just say like front?" And he's like, "You know, sometimes I talk about front. You know, some use in Charleston. Use like to use words like you know y'all, and I use words like front and meatball." And wow, Joe was exhausting. And last week, Catherine on the show had said that 
Joe has, like, the best body. Do you remember her saying that? She said he, like, worked out a lot. I don't know if she said best body, but she said, like, he worked out a lot and stuff. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting Joe. That's all I'll say. I wasn't expecting Joe. You, yo, we're making meatballs. I love a meatball. My girl's got some meatballs out of the microwave. Hey, you's gonna come and sit down for dinner? You's gonna do it? <laughs> you guys are like, Danny, stop with the Joe accent. Anyway, that's what it was. And also, I just want to say, like, as an Italian man, like, if I were to full pull meatballs out of the microwave, the ghost of my grandmother would have came and shoved them right out of my hand. Because you do not put meatballs in the microwave. I don't know what was going on there. I know Catherine needed to reheat them. And then when, if I would have sat at the dinner table and said, like, I prefer Olive Garden meatballs, my grandma would have slapped me silly. The ghost of my grandmother would have slapped me silly. That is not something you say as an Italian. And I don't think Catherine's an Italian. But Joe, I don't know, Joe was eating those microwave meatballs a little too willy-nilly for my liking as an Italian man. It was just, he was throwing them in his mouth. Hey, you meatball! Okay, anyway, cut to this outdoor shop where Craig Craig walks into this outdoor shop. They're getting stuff for the camping trip. Craig walks right to the sunglass. Do you notice this? Craig loves a sunglass. Of course, we learned last week that he's got a display case of sunglasses in his house for his one-night stands to take a pair as they leave. And the first thing Craig did when he went to this outdoor shop was not to look for a sleeping bag or a chair or a campfire equipment. It was to look at the sunglasses. He went right to that little sunglass thing. And I don't know what the obsession is. Maybe Craig should start a sunglass line. That seems like a better idea than the pillows. I mean, I love a pillow, but it seems like the pillow business is tough. So maybe start selling some sunglasses, Craigie. My Craigie loves a sunglass. Then Austin and Shepard arrive. They pick out some stuff for the camping trip. Here's what I want to say about this scene is that they tried on a lot of hats at the store. And just a quick PSA, it's not safe to try on hats at any store. Just be careful out there. I was all I'm saying. I know we all do it. I was just in Vegas recently with my friend Jill, and we were trying hats galore at the Margaritaville. You know, the shop at the Jimmy, Buck- Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville has like a shop. And I was putting every which I was putting every hat on my head, every which way. And you know, I saw the footage because my friend Jill took the footage of me trying on all these hats, and I thought, wow, that's not safe. People have lice. You have got to be careful when you're at these stores. I'm fortunate that I did not get lice at the Margaritaville shop, but a PSA, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, it's that when you go to places, don't try on the hats. It's not safe. Okay. You know, or put a buffer, you know, put a buffer, just kind of like, you know, set it near your head, but don't put it all the way on your head. Because you never know. Everyone's trying on those hats all day long. You don't know who's got what. You have to be careful. And so, again, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, learn that you shouldn't try on hats willy-nilly. It's very dangerous. Anyway, luckily, I don't think any of them got lice from that, but I'm not sure. Then we cut to Madison and Chelsea, who are in Madison's uh, beauty salon. Chelsea is wearing a big yellow hat like the man from Curious George. She looked like the man with the yellow hat from Curious George. I was expecting a mischievous monkey to pop up at any moment because Chelsea's big yellow hat was so aggressive. And her and Madison are talking about opening a shop together. Now, I think this is a good idea for both of them because I think it extends both of their shelf life on the show at least another season or two because then next season will follow them opening this shop. And then maybe the season after will follow the shop. But it just seems like a very smart move on both of their parts. And I applaud them for that. Then they talk about Shep in Austin. And Madison says some like very troublesome things that Shep said. Apparently, Shep said that 
Madison was white trash for how she learned to cut hair or something like that. Like something about Madison being white trash. Madison, though, had the best comeback. She said, well, you know what? Shep has his parents pay his taxes. Woo, Madison. Wasn't expecting that out of you, girl. And I liked it. I applauded Madison. I'm liking Madison, you guys. I am. She seems feisty. And I love the girls on this. I love the women on this show to be feisty. And so far, they're all pretty feisty. I'd always much rather be with the women than the men. Like this whole RV trip, I was thinking, where are the women? I I need to see the women. The men aren't as interesting to me, although I did love the fight. We'll, We'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, then we see a montage of all the boys getting ready for the trip. Craig packed his ladies' robe. So Craig has the same Pottery Barn ladies' robe that I have. He wore it in one of the scenes earlier this season. I saw him pack it in his overnight bag. And that's why I love my Craigie. Those robes are so fucking thick, they take up so much room in a suitcase. And yet Craig threw out one of his shoes. He just took one of the shoes out because there was no room, but he kept the robe in. And I applaud that. Those are some hard decisions to make. He's going to be walking around with one shoe on, but at least he's got his robe, his lady's robe. And that's why I love my Craigie. He doesn't care if he's shoeless Joe Jackson and only wearing one shoe. He's got his lady's robe on. He's going to be warm. His right foot might not be warm, but the rest of him will be. So bravo, Craig. Bravo. Then, let's see, Whitney arrives. Whitney's wearing a lot of vests this season. How many vests do you guys think Whitney has? I would love to see the closet. I want to count the vests. I'd love a vest count on Whitney. Apparently, he was in a band called Staple Gun. Okay, let's just think. let that settle in. He was in a band called Staple Gun. And Whitney said, and I quote, I was the Bieber of my day meaning Justin Bieber. So let's just sit on that for a moment. Let's take a moment of silence for that comment. Moving on. Then, on the way to this camping place, Shep says that Craig's a dog. Did you hear this? So, like, they're all ragging on Craig, and at one point Shep said that Craig's a dog, and I thought, wow, Craig the dog, wow. This is inappropriate. Shep is being too mean to my Craigie. And I could tell right when they were on that RV. Craig was kind of, like, brushing it off a little bit, but I could tell that Craig was pissed. And he didn't seem to have a problem with it right off the bat, but I could tell it was brewing. And I was yelling at the screen like, Shep, quit it. Leave my Craigie alone. Okay? He's being too mean, Shep. And Whitney, too. Bro. Whitney, bro. (sighs) Anyway, then we cut to Eliza and more Eliza scenes. She's at her horses. And Danny and Naomi are coming by to ride the horses. And this whole scene, I was just thinking about the movie It Takes Two. Now, I just want to discuss It Takes Two for a moment. So, this has nothing to do with the episode of Southern Charm. I just want to say that I love the movie It Takes Two, starring Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. And I believe, and I've said this on the show before, so forgive me, but I believe the romantic chemistry between Kirstie Alley and Steve Gutenberg in the movie It Takes Two is second to none. I feel like it's underappreciated in the art of cinema, and I feel like not enough people recognize how great the romantic chemistry is between Gutenberg and Alley. And look, Allie, Kirstie Alley has some problematic views on certain things, sure. But in 1997 or whatever year this was, when she did It Takes Two, it was great. And I would like to recognize that. And so the whole horse scene on Southern Charm, that's all I was thinking about. Remember how anytime I see a horse, I think about that chemistry between Kirstie and Steve when they were riding the horses on It Takes Two, and two girls were trying to bamboozle them into falling in love. And it worked. It worked. What a romance. 
a romance for our times. Those twins. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I'm in a nostalgia spiral. But let's... So, oh, they were talking about Catherine. So they were on the horses. They were talking about Catherine Thomas. Eliza was talking about how her dad is like Thomas, and they're like a specific type of man. And Thomas is very much the ghost over this season of Southern Charm. We're getting a lot of Thomas flashbacks, a lot of Thomas details, a little too much Thomas for my liking, but apparently Eliza's dad's just like him. I don't like that. Then we cut back to that RV. They start drinking Austin's beer, which Austin could only get two case, or three cases of it because it's too expensive to make. And they commented on this, but I also wrote in my notes that this RV must smell so bad. It must smell so fucking bad. First of all, I don't imagine any of those men having the best natural sense. You know, like, and that's I'm not a knock on them. I think most straight men probably don't have the most natural gifted sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't think a lot of straight men wear. The straight men I find either don't wear any cologne or, or fragrance, or they wear too much of one. And so, I don't know. I would imagine Whitney is somebody that wears too much fragrance. That's my guess. If I had to guess, let's see. I'm going to think about this for a second. Let's all take a moment. Let's sit back and think about this. I would say Whitney wears too much cologne. Totally guess. If any of you have met these men, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I would say Whitney wears too much cologne. Craig doesn't wear any fragrance. Austin wears too much cologne. And Shep doesn't wear any fragrance. That's my guess. I feel like Shep just has like the three in one axe shower stuff and just throws, lathers that on, you know, a couple spots and then he's out of the shower. That's how I imagine. Craig, I think he has like a more in depth bathing ritual. Like I'd imagine Craig, I see him at night watching like skincare YouTube routines online. And so I feel like Craig has like lots of products that he uses. So I think his natural scent is probably not bad, I would guess. Austin, I think he bathes well. Like, I think he's got, you know, it's different. He's got a separate shampoo, a separate conditioner, a separate body wash, and maybe a few other, like a facial wash. I'm sure he uses like a moisturizer when he gets out of the shower, I would imagine, Austin. And then Austin probably puts on the too much cologne. But I think Austin's probably very clean. And Craig's probably very clean, just doesn't wear, again, the fragrance. Shep, again, a three in one. He's in and out of the shower in 30 seconds and then doesn't throw on anything. Whitney, on the other hand, is in and out of the shower, and then exits the shower and just loads up on the cologne. That's my guess. I think he just slathers it on. He like basically bathes in some Old Spice and, and then goes about his day. So that's what I would guess for those men. Anyway, where were we? Oh, they're on this. <laughs> Sorry about that little um, tangent. But anyway, we're on this RV. Whitney got locked in the bathroom. Which, by the way, I just have to say, my sister-in-law recently got locked in her bathroom at home with my two-year-old nephew for two hours. Apparently, like, she left the phone out of there, and she couldn't get the door open, and she tried to break it, couldn't break it. Two hours with a two-year-old. And then she was, like, trying to call, using Alexa to call, like, somebody in the family to let her out. And she was, like, shouting, and apparently, like, she just couldn't get... She would get people on the phone using the Alexa speakers, but they were so far away from her, the speakers, that like no one could hear her when they picked up. Anyway, what a nightmare. Two hours with a two-year-old in a little tiny bathroom. We Oh, oh, one more thing about this RV that I didn't mention is that Cam called while all the guys were chatting, and Cam, when she called, Whitney said, hey, baby doll. Hey, baby doll. He said that about Craig the other day. He's using a lot of baby dolls, which is just interesting language. And with that, 
I think we should take a quick break here. And we'll come back and we'll finish this episode of Southern Charm, but let's take a quick commercial break. Oh, and before we go to commercial, I want to say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash everything iconic. Click become a patron. If you donate $4 more per month, you get the bonus episodes. I'm doing just one a month and you get access to all those bonus episodes. More importantly, the money helps to go make this show. I just did a Hills recap of season one, episode one. And it seems like people are liking it. I think I might do more Hills over there, but it's a Hills recap of the pilot that I just posted over there. And I think there's going to be a Hills recap for the reboot on Monday. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, If you want one of the Everything Iconic t-shirts, go to everythingiconic.threadless.com. All the links for all of this stuff are in the episode description. So everythingiconic.threadless.com. You can get the t-shirts. We got Wow Bethany Wow, Wow Craig's Dog Bethany Wow t-shirts. All sorts of stuff. So let's take a break and we'll come right back. Four years ago, almost to the day, this is where Danny got misplaced. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating it is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. And we're back. So now we cut to Cam's house. She's in the baby's room. She's cleaning up the baby clothes. Jason calls. We hear Jason's voice. And I think I mentioned this on the show. I don't know if I did, but Jason is allegedly appearing in an episode of Southern Charm Upcoming. I'm very excited to see little Jason, although I still think it's not fair that we're not getting more Jason. But I do believe that the producers were like, okay, Cam, you got to at least get Jason on the phone a little bit more. 
and maybe an appearance. And so she's doing it. So bravo. There's also rumors online that Cam's pregnant again. And I hate to like give in to baby rumors because I think they're usually wrong. I remember um, right around the time when I had Katie from Vanderpump Rules on the show, there were all these rumors that she was pregnant. And she was like literally drinking. Like she had a glass of wine on the show because she brought that witch is a wee ho. And I'm like, she's definitely not pregnant, but there were all these rumors that she was going around that she was pregnant. And that happens a lot with the Vanderpump women. And I feel like that must be so horrible. Like, I'm not a woman, but if I was and there were these rumors online where everyone's saying I was pregnant, like, I would be devastated. So (laughs) I just want to say, I don't think Cameron looks pregnant. You know, not that there's anything wrong with looking pregnant, but I would say pregnancy rumors are probably the worst if you're a woman and, you know, not something that we should speculate on. But I'm going to speculate anyway, and I did hear that. So people some people DM'd me that. Again, it's not because she looks pregnant. It was just, I don't know, some people had some information. I forget what it is, and I don't want to spread gossip. So it could just not be true. Oftentimes it's not. Anyway, we do see Cam on camera interviewing Nanny. She's trying to find her own Mrs. Doubtfire. And apparently Catherine wasn't available, but she is interviewing a woman named Barbara. Love a Babs. And... Palmer, she said, though, her baby was in school, but Palmer's, Palmer's a one-year-old. So, like, what schools? I don't know that. Does kid, I didn't think one-year-olds go to school. Isn't preschool for, like, two and up? But what do I know? Barbara seemed fine. She seemed like a good... Babs seemed like a good nanny for her. She seemed very Mrs. doubtfire She had, like, a whip-smart sense of humor. She said something about Palmer wearing a helmet in the car. I thought, you know what? Hire Babs. Get her on the spot. You might not find another one like Babs. She seemed great. She seemed great. Then we cut to the boys arriving at the campsite. They arrive, but they can't get out. So the guy who was driving the RV, forgive me, I don't remember his name, but he had to open the door for them because they couldn't get out. And I was in the other impression this man who was driving the RV was going to be with them the whole time. And when he said, like, later on in the episode, like, I'm going to leave now, I was so worried, you guys. I thought, you can't leave these people. I thought, you can't leave the four of them in the wilderness alone. There's no way they survive, and now I don't know that they'll survive. I'm not certain that they'll be back next week. I think this is going to be it. It's like the Blair Witch Project. Like this show is morphing into the Blair Witch Project, and we're just going to see Craig running through the field with like a handheld camera, crying with some snot coming out of his nose, because that's what's going to happen here. We're getting a Blair Witch situation, Craig Witch. We're getting a Craig Witch Project because I think Craig will be the last one standing. And he'll just be running with one of the cameras that one of the camera people left over. And it's just going to, he's going to put it on his face. And that's going to be the last footage we see of the men on Southern Charm. None of them will be left. The next season will just be the women. And that's fine by me. That's fine by me. Hopefully, Craig will get out of the forest. I don't remember what happened on the Blair Witch Project, but I feel like one of them got out of live. Right? Didn't the girl? I feel in my heart that Craig will get it out and get out alive. Anyway, they are there. And it was, they started the fire, and then they started going in on Craig. Whitney said, your fucking coal miner hat is awful. Take it off. I was like, shut the fuck up, Whitney. Your vests are awful. Whitney's so rude. What is up with Whitney? Whitney 911, what is going on? Your fucking coal miner hat is awful. Fucking taken off, bro. Shut up, Whitney. I thought his hat was fine. Leave him be. The hats are fine. I mean, compared to the other hat work going on in this show and this network, Craig's coal miner hat is just fine. Chelsea was wearing a big yellow hat, a big-ass yellow hat. You didn't say anything to her. My God, Whitney. And no one's talking to you about all your fucking vests. He was wearing 100 layers and 300 vests. Of 300 of those layers were vests. So enough is enough, Whitney. 
Don't be rude to my Craggy. Then they all fight about the salt. Craig is, my Craggy's trying to make them food. He's trying to make them burgers so they're nourished for the night. And they're giving him such a hard time to saying too much salt. And I'm like, Whitney, your own mother doesn't want to eat your food, okay? Don't tell my Craggy how to cook. Okay, Craggy's been doing just fine. And they're worried about the salt. And then at one point, they fight about who played sports. And then I got mad at my Craggy because he gave in to the toxic masculinity. And he said, he said, I have more varsity letters than anyone. And okay, like this was too much for me. I thought, Craggy, enough. You don't need to rise to their level. You don't need to sink to their level. That's what he was doing. He says, I have more varsity letters than anyone here. But I did feel bad for my Craigie. They were too hard on him. And Craig, at one point, threw a hot dog at Whitney. And I thought, go, go, girl. <laughs> I just shouted at the screen, you go, girl. I know Craig's not uh, female, but I still screamed it. It was the, you know, it was the point of it. I said, you go, girl. I was happy he threw the hot dog at Whitney. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. And then Whitney said, of course, you got hot dog juice on my glasses. And I'd like that on a pillow. I know that wasn't meant to be a tagline, but I really enjoyed it. Whitney said, you got hot dog juice on my glasses. And I really enjoyed that quote. So, oh, then, then Craig's like, gets really mad. He's starting to storm off. He's like, you guys are just being so hard on me. You're poking, you're poking, you're poking. And I'm not taking it anymore. And then Whitney says, well, just give it back to us, bro. Like, give it back and shut the fuck up. Give it back, bro. Just if you just, bro, gave it back, bro, then we'd be fine. Oh, you guys, Whitney's exhausting. And I would have done exactly what Craig did, which is go right into that RV, and I would have taken a nap on that 1982 couch that was in the RV. That's what I would have done, too, Craigy. It looked like that was way better. And then Austin got pissed, too, because Austin realized that they're all being mean to Craig. And Austin even said in his confessional or, or to himself, he said, if these, are how they're tr- if these are how they're treating my friends, like these are not friends of mine. And I thought, you go, my Austin. I was so happy for Austin for sticking it up. And I think we've all been in those situations, especially, I mentioned I have two older brothers. I think like guys and people in general, can, we can give each other a hard time, especially when you're close with people. But there's a line that is crossed and it happens with friend groups, with family members where it's like a little bit of ribbing is fun, and then eventually like you just snap. Like I snap all the time, and you snap, and then there's no coming back from it. You just think, okay, I'm done. You pull a Jill Zarin, and you say, I'm done. Remember Jill Zarin would always say that on Roni? She'd be, I'm done. I'm done. Hi! <laughs> Couldn't help do my Jill Zarin impression. Anyway, Craig storms off. Whitney storms off, sets him up a tent. I wouldn't want to sleep in this tent. It didn't look like a very nice tent. I'm not a camper, though. I'm not someone who likes camping. I've had a bad experience with camping ever since my senior prom when my date had sex with someone else in the tent I set up. <laughs> like This girl I took to senior prom, we went camping afterwards, you know? It was like, we're all going to have fun camping. And then my date, she went and fucked a guy in the tent I set up. And w- that was okay. You know, I didn't want to have sex with her, but it didn't mean I wanted my date to leave me and have sex with some other kid. I was devastated. I was devastated. I haven't liked camping since. I remember the next day I woke up and it was like, my other friends were like, where'd you sleep? I was like, in the car, because my date was fucking someone in the tent I set up. It was true. It was tough for me. Something I'll never forget. That and Pluto. I'll never forget when Pluto couldn't direct me to the police. You know, he was miming to the police. It's like, Pluto, say something. Tell me where to go. Anyway, I'll never forget that. Or my date, Natalie, having sex with someone else on senior prom. Wow. 
triggering. These episodes can be triggering. They should come with a trigger warning. You know, I think watching these shows, they need to come with some sort of warning because they bring back hard memories for all of us. But you know what? Art is meant to inspire and confuse and question. And that's what the best art does. And that's what the show does. So bravo. I do. Oh, real quick, though, at the end of the episode, Austin did say that Whitney and Shep were like the mean Muppets. You know, the um, I love the Muppets, you guys. I'm a huge Muppet, Muppet head. And he was right. We got a lot of Muppet, uh, what do you call it, like uh, connections here. Of course, Patricia early on in the episode was wearing the Muppet fur. So I'm half expecting maybe down the line, if this show gets stale, maybe we could replace the cast members with Muppets and they could do the voices. You know, wouldn't you all like to see that? You know, after a few more seasons, you know, how many more seasons left do we have of this Catherine stuff and all the drama between Shep and Craig? Like, I don't know that the show can go on much longer, but I think that the shelf life can be expanded if we replace these cast members with Muppets and had them do the voices. Do you know what I'm saying? It would be a shift, but I think it could work. And I think that the producers are setting this up so that it's not too much of a shock. So I, you heard it here first, that's what I believe to be happening. We are moving into a Muppet area of Southern Charm. That's the end of the episode. Next week, we have Matul is being a little condescending to Naomi, and we noticed that before with Matul. A little bit passive-aggressive, and I don't think that he's like this, but I think it's something that we need to be paying attention to, because I do think that it's happening. He's got a little bit of a passive-aggressive nature, and maybe he's just nervous to be on camera with Naomi. But it happened in the preview, and it happened in that first meeting of Matul. And I love my Matul. He's beautiful. But I'm saying it's something we need to keep our eyes out for. It's a red flag. And I want like us to raise that red flag and just take a look at it, because it's there. And I don't want it to snowball and turn into something worse for our Naomi. And then we also see Danny versus Catherine next week. A little bit of Shep versus Austin. Shep tries to mac on the... I can't believe I just said mac. <laughs> Shep tries to mac on the women that Austin's going after. Very troubling. That's the episode, you guys. I do want to quickly say, turn this off if you don't want to hear a story about Kirstie Alley. (laughs) Turn this off. We're done here if you don't want to hear this story about Kirstie Alley. But if you do want to hear this story, sit back and relax. I do want to say that recently, and I was just talking, I was a guest on another podcast and I was just talking about this, but recently I got in a nostalgia spiral. And do you guys remember the wonderful world of Disney? Not the Disney Channel original movies, but The Wonderful World of Disney, which aired on Sunday nights on ABC. And they would play movies every Sunday night. And usually they would be like either old Disney movies or they would play new movies that they created for the channel. So do you remember they did the Brandy and uh, Whitney Houston Cinderella, which is one of the greatest of all time? Then they also did a movie. Oh, oh, so here I got in this nostalgia spiral online and I went on YouTube and I was like looking up all these movies. And I was having a tough day. And when I'm having a tough day, I like to get into some nostalgia. And so I was on YouTube and I was just watching these movies. I originally tried to watch the movie Model Behavior starring Justin Timberlake and Queen Kathy Lee Gifford. However, it's only available on YouTube and the YouTube copy was messed up. But that led me to one of these wonderful Disney movies called Toothless during Kirstie Alley. Now, Toothless was a 1997 comedy about a woman who's a dentist who fell on her head and became the Tooth Fairy. And this movie, you guys, it is shocking in its CGI. It is surprising in its story. It is nostalgic. It is warm and cozy and comforting. And I just would encourage if anyone's having a hard time, like maybe not toothless, because it is a technically bad movie, a technically bad film. But 
diving into nostalgia helps so much. It like makes us feel good. It takes us back in time and just taking like, this was a short movie, so it was like less than 90 minutes, but it takes you out of it for just a, a little bit of time, makes you feel good, and reminds you that Kirstie Alley exists. That's what it did for me, and that's why I thought of It Takes Two today. So on that note, I want to leave you all. Toothless is available on YouTube. Hopefully, we'll be back. Not hopefully, we'll definitely be back with the Roni recap at the end of this week. I hope it's not too much Danny for you guys. I apologize. Just listen to what you want to listen to. You know, if you don't want to listen to me, yammer on for three episodes. Monday, I believe we'll be back. As of now, we'll be back with the Hills recap. And that'll be Monday after the episode. And I love you all so much for listening. Let's take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Let's take a deep breath in and think of a childhood movie that you loved, like Toothless. (laughs) Breathe out. Now, sometime this week, just go and Go and look up that movie. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but maybe watch a clip on YouTube to just make you feel good, take you back in time for a moment. Love you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.